<laughs> That's how I'm never going to come back. <laughs> they sass me after they leave like this. You know, he can only do that because he's got the microphone next week. I won't be here. So. But today, in last week's gospel, our Lord opens the ears of a deaf man and says, Ephathon, so it is. His op- ears were opened. He's made anew. And so how fitting is it that our first reading should start with the words, The Lord God opens my ear that I may hear. And he has opened your ears. You might not remember this, but at your baptism, those words were used, Ephatha, as a cross was traced over your ears. And it's an optional part of the rite, but it's, op- it's not optional. Do it. Uh, <laughs> But it's that powerful, and and, and the question then becomes, okay, well, what am I supposed to hear? What is the Lord trying to say to me? That it must be important, because look look in the gospel, our Lord, just like last week, this week, he takes his his disciples to be alone with him, as if to say, I I can't, I'm not going to compete with the noise of the world. Be alone with me. Listen to me. Hear these words, that they're that important. So he asks them a question that's central to our lives as Christians. I think that's what he wants you to hear. He wants you to hear the question, who do you say that I am? And it's a question of remarkable importance. It's one central to our faith and one we have to answer daily in our lives as Christian disciples. Who do you say that he is? It's not like other religions. You think about Islam. It's about a revelation. Somebody gives them a book and says, this is what God's saying to me. It doesn't really matter who Muhammad, the prophet, is. Or you think about Buddhism. Buddha sits under a tree, and to his credit even, he even says, I have found a way that I want to share with you, and he teaches his ways. Hinduism is a set of philosophies and, and thoughts. Even Judaism, Moses, huge figure, but kind of, you can replace him with other prophets. And so here, Jesus it's so remarkably important that who, who he is that he asks us, who do you say that I am? Pope Benedict in his first encyclical in the very first paragraph, well, the first part, the second paragraph, uh, in his very first encyclical, Deus Caritas S, God is love, he writes, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the result of an encounter with an event, a person that gives life a new horizon and a definitive direction. So that Christianity isn't something we do because it's fun or we think it's a nice idea or we think it's going to make my life so much easier. But instead, we do it because we've met Jesus Christ. He's a very real person to us. We've met him and then nothing can ever be the same again. That's what Christianity is. is I've I've met Jesus and there's no going back. And so how important it is that we answer the question constantly, who do you say that I am? And if you're going to be bold enough, you're going to be daring enough to answer the way that St. Peter answers the question, if you're ready to say you are the Christ, if you're ready to be a prophet, know that it's going to hurt. And it's going to be just like we heard in the first reading today. We will give our backs to those who beat us, and our faces we will not shield from buffets and spittings. That's what you're in for, and you already know this is true. How many family and friends, how many co-workers, how many neighbors look at you and say, you still go to church? You believe in God? They think you're less than? Think you're dumb? 
don't understand that you've met a real person in Jesus Christ, and that's why you can't help but be the way you are now. And so we persevere in knowing that the, the rest of that reading has it spot on. We are not disgraced, he says. The Lord God is our help. And so with the ears open to the posed to this profound question of who do you say that I am? Is there anything more that I need to hear? The answer. You need to hear the answer. In the spirit we hear Christ say, the answer to his own question, the son of man must suffer, be rejected, kill, and rise after three days. And like the impetuous Peter, this is a huge challenge for us. Are you going to let Jesus be Jesus or are you going to rebuke him? And say, no, Lord forbid, it will not be so. But I think you'd be surprised. We rebuke the Lord a lot about who he is. And say, no, you, this is God. If you love me, you would know me. And you're going to love me the way I need to be loved right now. And you're going to love me this way. God, you're going to help me. You're going to help me in this way. You're going to answer these prayers this way. God, if you love me, I wouldn't suffer this way. I don't know. It says otherwise, I think. And so sometimes we say to him, you're not that much more better than I am, so how can, you, how, can you, how can you get in the muck of my life? How can you help me? Or maybe we say, you know what, I'm so unworthy of you that you have to stay far away. And then we have a Christ who comes here, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, and we receive the whole of him into ourselves in this intimacy. That's who Jesus is, and sometimes we say no. It's hard to think that he would want to be with us. But he does. And he asks you, who do you say that I am? And he asks for a little faith. When we fail to let Jesus to be who he is, well, it's a fail in trust and faith. Bishop Barron of Los Angeles, the auxiliary bishop in Los Angeles, he says this definition of faith, and I think it's a wonderful working definition, and I think it's something you can take with you and, and use in your own understanding of faith, he says that faith is the willingness to believe that a person is who they say that they are. Faith is the willingness to believe that a person is who they say that they are. And we tend to think, oh, well, and we hear this from a lot of people. Well, no, faith is when you believe in something without evidence. That's insane. That's nuts. No. No, 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 no. Faith very much has evidence. You think about every relationship you have. There's some faith there. Maybe you think about your own relationship with your wife or your husband. There was a time where you were courting, and maybe, maybe you knew a little bit about something about them. Maybe they were, in, they were introduced by a friend, and you, your friend said, hey, you know, I'd like you to meet this person. I think you, you really hit it off. Uh, I know she has two brothers and two sisters, and she was born in this city, and she does this for a living, and you go, okay, I'll meet them. And so maybe you have a few facts that everybody knows, but at some point you start getting closer and closer and you start sharing things of real intimacy and you start sharing things of real death and stuff that's really vulnerable. And you start talking about your thoughts, your feelings, your hopes, your dreams, your opinions, your fears, your values, your beliefs. And you're starting to open up to this person and you're starting to tell them things that nobody else in the world knows except you. And at that moment, you had a decision to make. You could choose to believe them or to not believe them. And you had the faith to decide that you were, going to, you were willing to believe that the person was who they say that they are. It's not that different with Christ. 
And so how important is it that we come and we meet him again and again and we engage with him again and again and hear him say, this is who I am. And we make that choice to believe and to say, okay, you are the Christ. If I have the faith to say, Jesus, you are the Christ, then everything has to change. Because of our faith, everything has to change and we have to be different. And we have to answer that question in all the things we do and all the things we say and it's hard to remember that he is the Christ. I was back in San Diego at the cathedral, and it's in downtown San Diego, and like a lot of places in bigger cities, there's a problem, there's a homeless issue. There's just so many people who need help. And there was a fellow, his name was Gillen. Pray for Gillen. I, I still remember his name. Uh, he was walking into the, the uh, cathedral plaza with a three-gallon drum, and it was empty. And he was going to the garden hose to fill it up so he'd have something to drink. And... He saw me sitting there praying, and uh, I was waiting for Mass to start. And at that hose, you need a special tool to open it because you don't want just anyone coming around and filling it and leaving the water on, that whole thing. And so he's looking around for something to turn on the water. He finds nothing, and he looks at me. And I try to explain, like, oh, no, I, I, don't, I, I don't have anything. I can't help you. And he said something remarkably profound, and it was spot on. I said, you're a father, and you can't even give me water? And it was, it hurt. It was just like, oh my gosh, why is this guy spot on? Here I am reading the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and here I am going to call myself a shepherd. And one of the least of these, one of my little ones can't find water. What sort of pastor is this? Here I am about to serve at the altar and give the bread of life and the cup of salvation, the living water. And I can't give this one a little drinking water, some tap water. And so I said to him, I said, you know what, where's the nearest store? Let's go for a walk. I don't know downtown all that well. Let's go for a walk. And so we start walking, and he's in these torn sweats, covered with stains of only God knows what. Uh, he's got no shirt on, and his back is covered with these scabs, and he's had a rough go. And we're walking through downtown, and, and it must have been a sight. I'm in a suit and a Roman collar. And we're crossing the street. One, I saw one gal. She really did. She took out her, her phone and took a picture. And said, ah, good God, I'm going to hear about this later. <laughs> the bishop's going to get wind of this one. <laughs> I don't need that trouble, but what are you going to do? And it was so bad that when we stopped in, at a corner, I remember this, the restaurant manager actually came out and told us to keep moving. Because there were half of his customers were staring and half of them were trying not to stare. And, of course, we, we kept going. And we get into the 7-Eleven, and the, the, the fellow at the cash register recognizes him and goes, oh, not this guy again. And you can see he, he's kind of starting up something. But then uh, Gillen, he starts clapping, and he's saying, Father's paying for everything. Father's paying for everything. <laughs> and he's, he's working on his second, uh, uh, second Danish, and he's, he's got like three cups of coffee. And I was like, I guess I'll carry the water back. Uh, but it was really a moment where the second reading from the letter of James was spot on, and I was ready to do that. We hear him say, uh, I thought about, because I thought about brushing him off and using, even saying something in, in line with St. James in the second reading, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well. I was going to say, wish I could help you, but I, I'm, take care and, and God bless. And then, well, what, what do those words even mean? Continues, faith, if it does not have works, is dead. The letter of James does not say that this faith is useless. 
He says his faith is utterly dead, and he even uses the Greek word for a corpse, necron. Our faith has to be a living faith. Remember that Jesus in last week's gospel, he opens the ears of a man, but then that he also cures his speech impediment. So that one who hears the gospel, who hears the word of God, <coughs> excuse me, one who hears the word can then proclaim the word well. And you know this, if you've met people who are deaf, you tend to, if you're not able to hear, you're not able to speak very well. And so here Jesus is giving us ears to hear and then telling us what we need to hear and then saying, go preach it. And I don't know what your daily life is going to look like where you're going to say that Christ is Lord. I don't know, but you do. You do. And maybe you've had those times where you forgot to say it. Maybe you did brush someone off. Maybe you weren't Jesus Christ for them that day. And you didn't proclaim him the Lord. But I hope there's a lot of times when you did. Because the world is really hungry to see God. The world really wants to see a Christian be a Christian. To see the Catholic Church be the Catholic Church. You know, it, it, as the sex scandals go on again and we... we we hear about ex-Cardinal McCarrick going through his trial. You know, I, it's easy to read the news and go, like, look at all this anti-Catholicism. And I don't, I don't know if that's it. I, don't, I think there's some of that. But I think it's a lot of the world going, like, please just be who you say you are. We want it so bad. Like, you hold yourselves to these standards. Please do it. And, and maybe on those days where I forget to be Christ, I hope you are. So at least somebody knows that Jesus is in the world moving, doing stuff. You know, I don't know if you remember the fall of the Berlin Wall, but there was a, a lot of people get a lot of credit, and, and um, I think one of the people who deserves a lot of credit is John Paul II. Uh, when he was elevated to the papacy, uh, they asked if he can come back to Poland to talk, but Poland had already moved, tried to move God out of its society, and they wanted the Pope to come, and the State Department said, you can come, but you can't talk about God. And they said that to the Pope, for Pete's sake. And <laughs> what do you think he's going to talk about? <laughs> what do you have for breakfast? Jeez Louise. And <laughs> so he gives this speech, and by the time, it, it's only a few weeks later that the walls come crumbling down, and, and the speech that you hear from the eastern side is, uh, we want God. We want God. We want God. And I think that's still our chant, even if people don't say it. So maybe we can listen today and, and come around this table and hear, knowing that God's present, and hear him say, who do you, think that, who do you say that I am? And, and we, could, we can answer with our hands out, you are the Christ. And then everything out there will start to follow too. And when they meet Christ, maybe next week we'll have new brothers and sisters around this table too who are saying you are the Christ. And that's how we change everything. It's how we make this world new. This is how we make heaven and happen here and now. We don't wait for heaven. We're entrusted to help make it happen. And maybe it's as simple as just saying you are the Christ. Maybe that's it.